Welcome to the Hope Collective Message Podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. Morning. Find ourselves in 1 John chapter 1, still. <laughs> Taking our time. Listening to John, who saw Jesus. And so this is what he says. This is the message that we heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. At all. If we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And the saints said, amen. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives the word of God the word of God so father we come in this moment and we ask you to purify our hearts we ask you to allow through the power of your Holy Spirit a glimpse of who we really are for good or for bad Because you are a God who loves us and you see it whether we admit it or not. And so we come as we are, boldly before a throne of grace, to say we want to know you. We want to be like you. We want to share in the suffering of your son Jesus and celebrate the resurrection of life in us. And so we pray as Jesus asked us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Take a seat if you can. Um, First John. Last week we processed verse five. Now, I, I said this and I mean it. I'm actually cutting this in half. So what, what uh, now we're really gonna have to take some time in the summer to get back to this once we get rolling. <laughs> because this is, this is too, too important to miss. Um, and I don't, I don't wanna just be up here talking and you miss this. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would, um, you would open hearts to receive. Last week, we processed verse 5. And here's some powerful thoughts from that message 
um, that rocked my world. And I hope you listened. And I hope you heard what was being said. And first and foremost, I had never in my life, and Joel, if you're in the room, uh, just want to say thank you for, for giving us this perspective. I have, had never thought about John sitting there as an 85 or 90-year-old looking back on his life and all that he had seen. Guys, if you understood the life of John and everything that John had processed and seen from, from his friends being, being murdered to Jesus being murdered to the resurrection to his own persecution to, to his exile to the fall of Jerusalem and in the final analysis of it all, as he sits there and looks back, to be able to say that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. There's no hidden agenda. There's no he's kind of good. No, he's completely and totally 100% good. And you can't argue it. You can't fight it. You can't stop it. His goodness is running after you. So look out. That it's who he is. And that's why we say that hope is a confident expectation of a better tomorrow based on the character and promises of God. He is who he says he is. And he will do what he says he's going to do. It's who he is. And John made that assessment at the end of so much good and so much horrible. That God was good. Period. And he said that this isn't a statement about God's thoughts about you. But this was a statement about God and who he is. Let me word it this way. Not how God interacts with us as light and dark. That's not what he was saying at all. But how we interact with him. That he's good. That he's light. And in him there's no darkness at all. I might say that a hundred times throughout this. And if you can trust God with anything, you can trust him with everything. Now, how many of you in this room who love Jesus, following Jesus, you're not perfect. If there's anybody perfect in the room, um, I don't know. We have counselors. Because, because there's not. But if you're in the room, you say, there are, I have experienced that I can trust God with anything. Raise your hand. I have experienced that I, I have put my trust in him and he has come through at least once. And if he comes through at least once, he will come through every time. It may not look like the box you put him in, but it will be the response you need from him because it will be his response. What a powerful. So last week was about dismantling the if-thens against God. God, if you are this, then you will blank. We should never, ever make those statements ever again. We should eliminate them from the church's vocabulary, eliminate them from your family, eliminate them from your own life. It should always be, God, if you are this, then I will this. Don't put God in both spaces. If God is this, then there will be a response from us because he is this. We dismantled that. This idea of our projecting our humanity on God. We have to stop. This week, we're just, well, and next. We're dismantling the if-thens for ourselves that we use to excuse or rationalize or minimize God's greatness and our need for him. Let me explain what light and dark is first in this statement. Light is the promise of hope and joy. That's what light is. 
God is light. God is the promise of hope and joy, period. You could substitute truth in here, but we have such a love-hate relationship with truth, don't we? Especially in the world we live in today, and I think that's why John chooses light, because there's not a love-hate relationship with light. Light's good, period. You don't bump your head when there's light. You don't stub your toe when there's light. You don't go the wrong way when there's light. You get a suntan when there's light. (laughs) Nope. Some of you are like, nope, just get burned. (laughs) Light is just light. It's good. It's hope and joy, and he is light. That is the promise. And dark. Darkness is the threat of despair and misery. And God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Isn't that good? It's the message that John heard from Jesus, and Jesus came into the world world to reveal that message. It's the foundational message of 1 John. And the way which we respond to it is, to walk in light is to walk in obedience. To walk in disobedience is to walk in darkness. We either obey or we don't. We don't obey because we're trying to make God happy and please him. We obey simply because he loves us and we're his kids and we want to honor who he is. Not because we're trying to earn something, but because we've been given something. 1 John 5, 1 John 1, 5 through 1 John 2, 2 provides us the foundation for our spiritual life. Church, this is not a journey. I want you to hear this. This is not a journey about us inviting God into our world. That's not what we do. We're not asking God to join me in what I'm doing in the world. That would be a mess. This is not, I want you to hear this, this is not a journey about us inviting God into our world. This is a journey about what it looks like when we join God in his world. That's what this is about. That's what John's trying to get to us. This is, that's why in the final analysis of it all, he can say Jesus was the final argument of all arguments about what it means to be human, to be rescued, to be redeemed, to be restored. God is saying, if you invite me into your world, that's a mess. But if you'll come and join me in my world, I will bring healing to your heart and resurrection to your soul. I don't know about you, but that's the journey I want to be on is joining God in his world. This book is an invitation by John that comes with massive challenge. So if you're the type that you just want to be invited, 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 make me feel good and all that, you're not going to like this. You just won't. But how many of you love a little bit of challenge? Okay. (laughs) We're in trouble. Now, this is a participatory church. We like to participate. I actually think you were honest. I don't think we like challenge. No one wants to be challenged anymore. (laughs) Speaking in generalities, Tom. (laughs) It's evident by the culture we live in. I don't want you to say something different than what I think, and if you do, I'll cancel you. Listen, cancel culture is not new. The Jews tried to cancel Jesus by killing him, but he rose again. The Romans and the Jewish people of that day tried to put down the church and cancel it, but they couldn't. And if it couldn't be done then, then it cannot be done now. Because he's building his church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So we're going to keep challenging. Because there are still people in the world, Tom, 
who want to hear what it means to live right, who want to hear what it means to walk in truth, who want to hear what it means to get, leave the old life and join this new life, to be recreated from the inside out. There's still people in the world who realize that they don't get it all right. Right? And so we go to God's word to figure it out. We don't go to our government. We don't go to science. And science isn't bad. But we go to God's word to figure it out. This is where truth is. It has to be our guide. And if the thing the culture is saying doesn't match what the truth is saying, then we go the opposite way. Fast. And so John is coming and he's saying, I'm going to challenge you. You, we can't afford to not challenge each other, to admonish each other, to say, no, what you're saying and what you're doing is wrong. Not because I don't like you or I want to be right, but because there is a truth that if you'll get that truth right, man, there will be a life and a life to the full that you get to live where fear doesn't knock on your door anymore because it can't. It's page one still. First John, 1, 6 through 10. And I want you to hear this. Shows us that it is not what we say that proves our confession, but what we do. First John, 6 through 10. These if-thens shows us that it is not what we say that proves our confession, but what we do. People are confessing Christianity all over the world, but their life doesn't show they love Jesus. That's not a judgment on an individual. That's just a statement about what it means to follow Jesus is to follow Jesus. Not if I like it, not if it feels good, not if I, I can do it in a, in a way that doesn't get me hated or in trouble. No, follow Jesus. It will come out of our mouths. It will come out of our lives. It will come out of our actions. This, 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 Life change will be seen. It's not private. It's private and public. If the disciples' faith was private, they would have never been killed for it. John gives us several ways to detect whether people really have met God who is light and belong to him and his fellowship. Now this, this, this will encourage us and it will challenge us. Isn't that great that we serve a God who will encourage us and invite us and then challenge us? It's all through scripture, right? Peter, you are the rock. Hey, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You go from rock to Satan. Now he's challenged, right? Peter walks out on water. What faith? And then he sinks and he's doubting. And Jesus challenges it. That's how we grow. If it's invite, 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 be comfortable, be comfortable, be comfortable, be comfortable. That's hard to say. But we never challenge. We don't ever grow. There has to be challenge even to our own journey with Jesus. And John's about to do this. Does what you say match how you live? Do you claim Christ with your mouth but deny him with your life? Now listen. We pray all the time that this would not be a church where you feel shame, condemnation, or judgment, or any of the guilt. It's not how God works. We're not sitting here pointing you out and gonna go down the aisle and say who we think John's talking about. 
The Holy Spirit does that. And so if something that we say in these next few, in these next few weeks hits you somehow to where it goes deep and begins to challenge and you don't like it, lean into it. That's good. And if it offends you, lean in. If you're feeling defensive, lean in. If you don't like it, lean in. If you're encouraged by it, celebrate that God is at work. It's hard for people to talk and think clearly about what they believe about God, and John knows this. Because unlike God, we lack integrity. Now, how many of you would just confess, if we're just being totally honest, sometimes you're a different person in private than you are in public? Raise your hand. How many would say sometimes you think, you think uh, um, with, a, with a split mindset, one way about some things and another way about some things? Some things I like what God says, and other ways I don't like what God says. Some things I love the Word of God, and other times I don't like the Word of God, right? It's, it's a split mind. It's dual-mindedness. Okay, there's, it's, lack of, it's lacking integrity. It's at times hypocritical, and I sit here and go, that's me. I don't want to be like that. I want to be the type of person that the world sees and sees Jesus, or at least sees somebody willing to say, I don't get it all right, but I want to so bad. And I know that it's not about my behavior, it's about my heart. So John gets pretty practical and helps us see what we really think by what we do. And too often our actions are often inconsistent with what we really say we believe. Now, I just want to get us all on level playing field. How many of you can say that sometimes you say you believe something, but your actions don't match that? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a high percentage. I feel good about that. I mean, I don't feel good about that, actually. But I think that's honest. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think that's honest. How many of you want what you say you believe to inform how you act and live? Okay, so, so listen... We have to stop focusing then on the then and start focusing on the if. See, what we do in the if, that it's, I'm going to, let me get there. Hang on. Too often our actions are often inconsistent with what we really say we believe. John points out here, case after case, how people often pretend to think better of themselves than facts would actually reveal. And so these five verses all start with the same Greek word translated into English if, if then, okay, you remember the toy, right, you grew up with, right, <laughs> nobody else's face in the room is going to make that imprint, I'm just, oh, it is a cross, <laughs> maybe it will, I don't know, not an exact one, because my face is unique, right, so if I put my face in the toy, then my face will be on the other side. Are you with me? I don't <laughs> change this without changing this. Do you see what I'm saying? If I want a different then, then I got to get a different if. The problem is, we keep trying to change, focusing on the then. Behavior, modifying, instead of changing the heart. Where it all comes from, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Woo, that's scary. Don't you hate when people bring that verse up? You say something really mean, you're like, I'm just kidding. And they go, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Huh? <laughs> right? 
Stop working so hard on the then trying to fix the if. We got to go to the if. We got to go to the heart of the problem. And Jesus corrects the problem of the heart. That's where he comes. Because too often, what we say we believe doesn't match what we do. And it's because we don't actually believe what we say we believe. And you can believe it if you desire to believe it. And God can transform you if you desire God to transform you. But we got to get honest with what we see based on what we do. Here's what I love about John. He is unwilling to change his knowledge of God to accommodate man's thinking about himself. He's not going to help you feel better about yourself by changing what he believes about who God is just so we can feel better. Don't you love that about John? No, 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 no. He wants you to know exactly who God is so that same God can transform the very places of your heart that are dead and bring them to life. That's what we want because if we make God into our image, he can't save us. He can't change us. And so John is saying, oh, no, no, no. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so how is that coming to bear on your life? And if you say you believe it, are we seeing it in the way in which you live? Every moment of every day. You don't get a day off in Christianity. Or six days off in Christianity. One day over every day. I come to church, woo, did my thing. It doesn't work that way. Instead... John examines what people say and do in light of the unchanging and holy true God that is light. And it's really sad that so many churches today, and sometimes we're guilty of this, are far too willing to adapt their view of God to make religion more appealing. All you gotta do is come one one time a week, that's it. Because we don't wanna impede upon your time. No, I think God actually wants to impede upon your time. Because when he gets a hold of your heart, your time isn't all he gets, but he gets your talent and he gets your treasure. And the Bible says wherever your treasure is, that's where you find your heart. So, so it's not easy following Jesus. Matter of fact, to step into a relationship with Jesus is to step into a journey of being wrecked. <laughs> Come to Jesus, everybody. It's not come to Jesus and he'll fix all your problems. That ain't it either. It's come to Jesus and he'll fix the problem inside that's causing all the problems on the outside. And then some. John, however, challenges rather than tolerates. Aren't you glad? He challenges rather than tolerates man's thoughts and assumptions in verse 6 of 10. Why would we continue in that which keeps us from becoming human? He's challenging us to, to understand what it means to become more like Jesus, which is becoming more human. Why would we continue in patterns that make us less human, less like Jesus, fractured, dehumanized, doing our own thing instead of his thing because his thing's always better than our thing. And John is saying, oh, God has something way better for you than to continue in that. Remember, what we believe about good God does not necessarily make it true. If this says it's true, then it's true. But just because we believe something about God doesn't make it true. It's more important to evaluate what we believe so that we can live according to what is true. So let's look at these five statements just a little bit closer, okay? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Verse 6, 8, and 10. In verses 6, 8, and 10, our beliefs or our sayings, which are expressions of our beliefs, which are not confirmed through reality by a close examination of what they do. In verses 8, 6, 8, and 10, our beliefs are not confirmed through reality by a close examination of what they do. They say they believe based on what they do. They each begin with this phrase. If we say that we have, okay, if we say that we have Jesus, then we will act like Jesus, right? That's what we would hope we would say. Verse seven and nine, though, will be two affirmative ways to respond to the reality of God's holiness. So let's look at the inconsistent ones first. Wrong responses. Let me ask you this. If you were wrong, would you want to know? Can we do a show of hands? <laughs> Let me ask it officially. If you were wrong, would you want to know? Let me ask it differently. <laughs> Depends on what. Uh-huh. There, there's no criteria here. But I appreciate the honesty. If you were wrong, how many wouldn't want to know? <laughs> there's some honest ones in the room. John is making an assumption here that if you are wrong, you want to know. And not just want to know, but quickly change it. How crazy is it to know you're wrong and keep doing it? I'm just saying. What if you never think you're wrong? But I'm saying if you, if you are, would you want to know? And then when you know, would you change it? or want to change it. The problem of self-awareness, Joe, is what you're talking about, which, which John understands that as well. A wrong understanding of God, and I want you to hear this, always gives us a wrong understanding of our own personal lives. A wrong understanding of God. This is where John is trying to say, he's trying to get it right for you so that everything else falls into place outside of it. In God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Get that right. Whatever bad thoughts you have about God, stop it. Because he isn't bad. However you think he lets you down, he did not. So stop giving him that title in your life. And I can say that easily. It's not that easy. Some of us, that's a journey of healing we have to go on to discover that God is good. I get that. What I'm trying to help us understand is the way we view God will have implications on the way we view who we are and the way we live our lives. So, verse six, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Okay, verse eight. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. These statements are implicating us whose lives and our actions don't match what we say we believe with our mouths. Here's what we're going to do. Stand with me. <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to get through it. And I would love, we have, to, we have to have camp. Are you okay if we camp here? Is that cool? Here, here's what I want us walking away with today, if anything, is the willingness to hold our lives in our hands, 
loosely and say, God, where have I tried to make you in my image? Where have I put human behavior on you that you never intended? Where am I not aware? Where do you need to challenge my behavior and my actions because it doesn't match what I say I believe? Where do I believe things that aren't even true about who you are that are informing the way in which I live and act and behave? I didn't give you a lot of answers today. Aren't you bummed? I'm giving us an awareness. See, Sunday mornings for us isn't about giving you all the answers. Sunday morning is about piquing a curiosity because that's what Jesus did. And we lean in and we get curious. So we're going to go into this week and we're going to begin to get curious about verses 6 through 10. And we're going to read them and read them and read them. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what is true about us. So that when we come back next week and we dive into these, we can begin to let God be the transformer of our hearts, that our faith would be real in every way. How many are up for that? Aren't you glad I didn't go into all five of those with the next six pages, right? <laughs> Let me pray with you and pray that what we just shared and what we just talked about will be resonating in our minds and in our hearts, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And how does that come to bear on what I say I believe and how I live? And am I being transformed? Jesus, I pray right now for this church. I love this church. I love your church. This love was passed on to me from a family that loved you. And that love grew in me because you grew. And God, there is this journey that you would have us on, which is this exposure to light that causes us to be more and more like you, more human. And yet, God, there is this way in which we can live where we give more credit to the world than we do our God. And it causes within us an inner duality that keeps us from being people who honestly follow you. And God, I just pray that this week, Holy Spirit, you would work in our hearts differently because we're all on different paths. And that, God, this would be a powerful, powerful journey of what it means to be a people who walk in the light who confess our sins because we sin and who experience the power of the blood of Jesus upon our lives as repentance becomes our way of life. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, love you all. Have a great week. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.